Welcome to the Recording Library of West Texas podcast, a nonprofit dedicated to providing audio and resources to blind and low vision adults. We're here with another feature story. You can find this episode at recordinglibrary.org or on all podcast platforms. Welcome to RLWT Radio. I'm your host today, Bailey, and I've got another feature story that we're, we're doing today. I've got Kathleen in the studio with me, and you guys know her from Senior Life. She's the executive director. Um, that's Meals on Wheels. That's the RSVP Senior Program, amongst many other programs that you guys offer. But I wanted to bring her in the studio today because she's been working on something that's close to her heart on a personal level. And I've been following her on Facebook for a while and just seeing all of the great things that she's doing as far as, far as going to Austin to make some big changes and some legislative issues. And Daniel's Law, which is what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the studio, Kathleen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I know it's not your first time in the studio, but um, welcome back. And I'm glad that you're here with us today to talk about all the great things you've been doing. Well, I love speaking on a microphone. Awesome. We, <laughs> we love to have you. Um, let's start off with an audio description of ourselves for our visually impaired audience. I have a black cardigan on with a black shirt underneath today with kind of um, a burnt brown kind of fallish type pant and uh some sandals i have medium length red hair and i'm 5'8 and go ahead kathleen describe yourself sure well we all know fall in west texas right so we have cool mornings mm -hmm. and very hot i think afternoons so i have on kind of an animal print khaki colored dress with black spots so i do have on a black jacket because it was cool this morning and now I'm a little bit hot, Me too. so <laughs> kind of blondish hair and just uh, excited to be here and thank you very much. Well, like I said, we're, we're great. We're glad to have you back on the show. Um, okay, let's let's dive into it. First, tell us about Daniel's Law, but let's let's do like a timeline of events because I noticed that people on your Facebook, they're like, we want to know the whole story. We want to kind of know a timeline of what's going on with Daniel's Law. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us about Daniel. Sure. Um, so I am a Midlander, born and raised, um, Kathleen Kerwin. And there were five of us siblings. My mom and dad uh, moved here in the 50s. And I was the youngest out of five children. And Daniel, my brother, was Down syndrome and two years older than I am. And so, you know, Daniel being Down syndrome was kind of always the home base. Um, he didn't go off to college. He didn't get married. He was always at home and always our biggest cheerleader. So uh, Daniel graduated from the Life Skills Program at Midland High School, and from there he went on to volunteer for about 20 years at a local nursing home. Wow. They loved him, and, and he loved them. Um, but during that time, he took a medication um, actually for a toe fungus, and it ruined his kidneys. Um, you always see commercials on TV to, you know, make sure that you're checking to make sure that, you know, these medications are not hurting your organs and to get your regular uh, 
uh, blood work done. And uh, back then, that kind of wasn't being done. And so he ended up having renal failure and um, it could have been reversible. And so my parents really went through a lot to make sure that he was on a very strict diet. And um, Daniel was always very, very healthy. Um, He ran five times around our local park every single day, Faskin Park. Everybody knew Daniel in Midland. He ran with my dad. My dad was a health fanatic, triathlon, marathon runner. Daniel was also a swimmer. Um, He learned how to bike. He did everything that uh, he was always told that he would not be able to do. He always proved uh, people wrong. And so he was very healthy other than his kidney issues. Um, And so for a lot of years, he was able to stay off of dialysis. And over that time period, we asked over and over and over again, could he be on a transplant list? Could we test to see if that was a possibility? And we were told, no, that that would never be possible for him. Well, he had four siblings that all wanted to see if we could maybe be matches, if we could donate a kidney. And we were told, no, absolutely not. That would not be allowable for Daniel. And when we asked why, we were told because he was Down syndrome. And so Daniel ended up getting very ill and was on dialysis for three years. And it was just too much for him. He was nonverbal. He couldn't communicate when something hurt or when he did not feel well. And by this time, my parents were quite elderly, and he just could not do it anymore and ended up passing away in 2015. Wow. Wow, what a story. He sounded like an amazing guy. He, when when you're talking about somebody who was always joyous, who loved unconditionally, who really taught you not to hold grudges, that was Daniel. He taught us all so much about life. And literally, I have somebody at least once a week who will come up to me, whether I know them or a complete stranger, and and will tell me, your brother taught me so much about life, or I knew your brother and your dad. I used to watch them run, Mm -hmm. and it it still um, really just... It's so hard for me to deal with he passed away because he did not have a fair chance at life Mm -hmm. like other people do. Um, You know, when we get ill, um, we are tested to see if we are a good candidate for a transplant. Um, But he never got that chance only because he was Down syndrome, but otherwise very, very healthy. Um, A lot of Down syndrome people have heart problems. Daniel did not. Um, He worked out. He was a healthy eater. He was very, very healthy. But because he was Down syndrome, um, never got the chance. They they weren't even willing to try, it sounds like. Not even willing to see if he may be a good candidate. Um, So after he passed away in 2019, I started having some medical issues and ended up being put in the hospital and was told, we think there's something wrong with your kidneys. And so, of course, I absolutely fell apart. 
and ended up I had kidney disease. And I was told, well, the good news is if you could pick any kidney disease, you have the best one. You have one that is so treatable. And I thought, gosh, why did I get the best one? And Daniel got the worst one. Mm -hmm. And um, I decided right then and there, I'm going to advocate that everybody have a fair chance at life. Um, And so in researching, I saw that other states had legislation um, where people with disabilities can get transplants. And that was a total shock to me. And um, Texas didn't have one. In Texas place. did not Even have that law. Even in 2023. Yes. So um, I just could not believe it. I just, I was in total shock because I guess I just believed the doctor that said that wasn't allowable, but really it was. And so they should be people with disabilities. It should be fair that if they are good candidates, they too should be allowed to have transplants. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so I went through the whole legislative uh, process. Um, Brooks Landgraft helped me to pass the law that um, in Texas, people with disabilities have a fair chance at life wow. when it go- comes to transplants. Um, there was one amendment added towards the end, and uh, the amendment was we named it Daniel's Law. That's amazing. And it was House Bill 119. Um, that was session before last, which was uh, the 87th uh, session. And it was pretty amazing to know it was too late to help Daniel, but in the future, other special people will be able to have a fair chance at life. That, so it's official as of it is official. October um, so this law was actually last session. So that was a couple of years ago. Um, I went back this session and we have another new law. And this one was actually also uh, in memory of my brother Daniel. Um, so I always, it always hit me wrong when people used the R word. Um, to describe my brother. Hey, your brother is, I hate saying the word, your brother's retarded. And it's hurtful. Um, That word is outdated. It is hurtful. If you have a disability or you have somebody in your family who has a disability, that word is hurtful. And words do matter. Um, So I once again decided I'm going to do something about this. And I went to Tom Craddock's office and said, I see that other states do not use this word to refer to people with disabilities anymore. Texas needs to do better. So again, this session, we went through the legislative process. And as of September 1st of this year, we no longer refer to people with disabilities using the outdated and hurtful R word. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Congratulations. Like, that is something that definitely needed to be changed. It did need to be changed. It's sad that it's taken this long. But, you know, thank goodness for people like you who are pioneering that movement because 
how would we have known? You know what I mean? Like it was just all the other states had already changed it, but Texas was still behind. We still had a lot to, of work to do as a state. I love Texas. I think it's the best state out there, mm-hmm. but we still have some work to do. Um, you know, some of the other states have gone through these processes and have improved. There's still some states that still have some work to do. Um, but you know, that's the power of advocacy, it and works. it's a pretty powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't give up and, and just keep trying. I'm sure that you had your fair share of wanting to give up in that process because it was hard. I'm yes. sure there was times when you went home and you're like, man, I, this is just rough. You know, there's times even after um, that these two efforts have become laws that I still feel heartbroken after losing my brother. Um but, you know, we got to keep pushing ahead and we got to remember we can all make a difference if we try. My brother's gone, but I can still keep pushing forward for other people's loved ones. And Absolutely. it's so important. Um, every day I go to work and I work for seniors of Midland and um, just working for our most vulnerable. It's it's such a motivating, passionate job mm-hmm. that I get to do. I wake up in the mornings and I think, I get to do this every day. And so it's such a blessing to be part of that. It's the same for me. I get the feeling because I'm such an advocate for people who are blind or, and have low vision, which is an underserved population. So I get that just advocating for those people and ha- providing that voice for them. You have to or we're never going to learn and change. Definitely. Just like getting rid of the R word. Like yes. we're, we're, we're growing as a society and as a, a community to, to do better. Definitely. And, you know, we um, serve a lot of blind people on Meals on Wheels. Mm-hmm. And so I love to partner. It's kind of the name of the game. Right. And that's how we get further down the road. But, um, you know, there's still some people out there who have told me, well, you can't make me not say that word. You can't make me do that. Or, you know, this is political. It's not political. It's a dignity issue. And it's a kindness issue. And Um, that's just how I feel about it. Um, We learned a long time ago other words that aren't nice to use anymore. Right. And so I just want the world to be a kinder place. How do you kind of respond to that, to those people? What do you say to them? I actually just say you're right. I I can't. uh, I can't can't control you. I can't make you use kinder language. However, I can hopefully change... um, the language that our state uses, and it starts there. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of self-fulfilling prophecies and, you know, we know now how we talk to our children kind of shapes them into believing in themselves, those words matter. Mm -hmm. And so we want our children not to think of themselves as disabled We want to think of themselves as able, no matter if they have a disability or not. Right. And that's that's how I think about it is. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, it's bigger than just Daniel's law. Yes. Yeah, it's that's just the start. Definitely. But it's a a big picture we have a lot more work to do. Absolutely. You had a picture on your Facebook. It was of a door and I believe it was the door to the dialysis unit. Yes. Um, That. 
I personally did not know the history of that picture. I just thought that it was a pretty dynamic picture. And so can you kind of walk us through that day? Like what, what was that post about and what was going on? That's interesting you should bring that up because um, I went into that office recently and I had not been back there since I went there with Daniel. Wow. And walking back in there, I did not realize the emotional effect it would have on me and walked in there for work and went in there just a house on fire business to do Mm -hmm. and (sighs) had to stop and take a deep breath and everything looked just the same and I remembered the feelings of hopelessness and helplessness and just complete devastation uh, before Daniel had passed away And I thought, gosh, it's like time stood still. And I was right back where I was before he had passed away. Mm -hmm. And I just had to stop for a moment and gather myself and think, okay, I can do this. Um, It's pretty crazy because I'm very honest and transparent with my feelings on Facebook I feel like if I can help one person just being honest about grief and feelings and making a difference, then I'm doing my job. Mm -hmm. But uh, grief is a struggle, and you think you've gotten so far in your grief journey, and then all of a sudden, you're right back where you were several years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was was a strange moment for me. So... Did you kind of re after you kind of took a moment to gather yourself? Because of course that makes sense that all those memories came flooding back. Mm-hmm. Um, did you kind of redirect your feelings? Like look at all, look at what what we've done just in the past couple of years for Daniel. So I kind of shoved it all back in and did the business I needed to do. And then when I got home later that evening after everybody after everybody went to sleep. I just kind of cried and thought, wow, I cannot even believe how far we've come. And Daniel's death was not in vain. Um, I'm very hard on myself because I really, I really want to go back in time and know then what I know now. Mm-hmm. If I knew there were people back then with disabilities that were getting transplants, I would have taken them to the end of the world. Right. But I didn't know. Right. And I can't change that now. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there are other people whose lives, when they walk through that door, yeah, they have hope. They have hope. And they have someone that's listening to them. Yes. It's powerful. Um, but I, I still struggle with that all the time because I believe my brother would still be here right. with me. Right. Um, and so I have guilt. I, I know it is all in my head. I did the best I could, but I want him here with me. Sure. Uh, but then at the end of the day, just knowing somebody else's brother, somebody else's loved one, has a chance and has that hope. Mm-hmm. It brings me a little sense of, I did that. That's great. I mean, 
someone from right here in Midland, Texas made that change on a statewide level. Like, that's pretty amazing. In honor of your brother. I am very hard on myself because in this story, Daniel Kerwin's the hero. Mm -hmm. Um, It's crazy to me because all of this, I believe, was a plan long before I ever knew. I'm just that little sister on the playground that had an extraordinary brother. And Daniel Kerwin's the hero. Yes. I, I know that there's a, a like a park bench dedicated to him. Can yes. you tell me about that? So we grew up on Shell Street right by Faskin Park, and we went down there to play regularly. My very earliest memories. Back then, telling my age, <laughs> we could go down there and play, and we literally lived across the street. So my mom could kind of look out, make sure we were fine down there. Um, But that's when we kind of um, heard the R word a lot, and people wouldn't play with Daniel or me at times, or, you know, they pointed or they stared, and and we heard that dreaded R word quite a bit, and it was hurtful. And then, you know, later in life, we would go down there. It was always the older kids that kind of accepted Daniel a little bit more, And when he got older, he played basketball down there. And he could sink in 50, 60 shots in a row. And then he started running down there every day. It was five times around that park. And um, he just got to be a fixture around that park. Mm -hmm. So he spent his whole life at that park. I mean, decades. From the time he was a little teeny tiny boy until he was in his 40s when he passed away. So later in life, it was his independence. Um, After dialysis, when he couldn't volunteer anymore and he couldn't quite run anymore five times around that park, he would go out later in the evening and he would walk around that park or he would sit on the bench just to have his alone time. And so I um, had asked the park or the city of Midland several times, could we maybe put a plaque down there on one of the benches for Daniel? That park was his whole life, mm-hmm. and that was his independence. Yeah. And, and people knew him from the park. <laughs> people, everybody knew him from that park. And so for a few years, I never really got an answer. And then all of a sudden, I heard, we will do that. We are going to roll out a project in several of the parks where people can dedicate a bench to their loved one. Oh, hey. But, you know, you will have to uh, raise the funds however you'd like to be able to do that. In record time, I feel like it took two days to raise (laughs) the funds. Um, We did that. And last year, around his birthday, actually, Um, This is his birthday month, and it's also Down Syndrome Awareness Month, October. We dedicated a bench for Daniel. Amazing. Does it have his picture, or is there wording on there? It has his name, and it has uh, October 28th, uh, 1968, when he was born, to April 6th, um, 2015, when he passed away, and... It says rejoice always, which 
Daniel did rejoice always till the very end. He passed away the day after Easter, which Mm -hmm. I felt was very, very fitting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really don't love going to where his um, graveside is. I, I don't like remembering him like that. Sure. I like remembering him at the park. At the park, So yeah. I love tying a balloon up there and just sitting on his Different bench. holidays and yes. stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. That's how I like remembering him, and um, it is it is really special. Well, I know that I'm going to go check out the bench because it, it sounds really cool to go um, just share that memory of him because he just sounds like such a great guy, and um, I wish I could have got to meet him and – Thank you, Kathleen, for just being an advocate for everyone um, who just didn't have a voice like Daniel. You know, no one to fight for him as far as medical staff. Um, So hopefully moving forward, that won't happen again, thanks to your efforts. Well, it is an honor, and I don't believe that y'all have heard the last from me yet. I I believe that. I was about to say, what's the next uh, law that's going to be put into place? What are you working on next? (laughs) Well, I will keep working on something. I will tell you both laws that I have um, been successful with on the state level are both pending on the federal level. Hey. Um, And so I would like to work more on that. I have to give a shout out to my friends at Diamondback. They have just rolled out a program where uh, both high schools, public high schools, their life skills program are doing the rolling baristas program Mm. in Diamondback where they're serving coffee and snacks and they're learning employment skills. And I feel like we need to be doing more of that in Mm. our local businesses. So I love that. And what are the two... Can you talk a little bit more about the bills that you're working on? What are they for? What are they? So the federal bills are the exact ones that I did on the state level. So um, the organ uh, transplant uh, law and also the R word. So both of those are on the federal level pending in D.C. Wow. Yes. Well, let's push that through. Would be I hope I can bring you back on soon and we can talk about how that's federally acknowledged now. Yes, <laughs> we got to keep we got to keep working. And, and, you know, for people who think, eh, I, you know, it's just me, just me really does make a difference. Yeah, this this episode is a perfect example of that to the people listening. If they wanted to get involved with this on a federal level, how can they help? So um, the organ transplant is called the Charlotte Woodward Act, and it's actually named after a um, self-advocate who's Down syndrome. She just graduated from college a couple of years ago. She's an amazing young lady who has Down syndrome, and um, it is pending federally. Call our local congressman. August Flugern and say you you want that his vote on that um the other one I'll have to look up what it is called but it's also pending and and tell him that he needs to vote yes on those amazing um if you want to reach out to recording library will we can of course um get you to the right people as well get you those numbers whatever you need um as well you can reach out to Kathleen definitely find either of us around town so tell us a funny or one of your favorite memories of Daniel before we go. 
Oh my gosh, I could talk about <laughs> my brother all day long. Um, and it is Down Syndrome Awareness Month, so and his birthday, so I love that. Perfect. Um, my favorite story is uh, when we were very, very small. I think I was probably about three, and Daniel was five. And my mom, my both of my parents worked with Daniel tirelessly. Our whole family did. Daniel could read. As I said earlier, he was a great athlete, ride a bike, swim, run. He was so smart and so funny. But my mom wanted to know if he had an imagination. Um, It is a higher level thinking when you imagine. And so she said, all right, let me think of a scenario where I can see if Daniel has an imagination. So she said, I'm going to pretend like I am holding the littlest, tiniest dog in the world. And so she held out her hand, and she pretended she was holding this tiny little puppy. And she said, Daniel, I am holding the littlest puppy in the world. He's so teeny tiny. Do you see him? And Daniel said, oh, yes, yes. And Daniel squealed with laughter. She said, come over here and pet him. So they were both petting this teeny tiny dog she was holding. And she looks over, and I am just falling down with tears rolling down my (laughs) face. And she looks over, and she is like, Kathleen, What's happened? What is going on? And I said, I wanted to pet the dog too. (laughs) And I remember this so clearly. She was like, well, okay, come over and pet the dog. And so we all stood there petting this teeny tiny little dog. And I remember clearly what the little dog looked like. That was all imaginary. And so that's that's one of my favorite memories. Yes. That's beautiful. (laughs) You're like, I wanted to pet the dog. (laughs) Yes. So it is a perfect memory for this podcast. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. I hope everybody kind of got a glimpse in their mind of what this dog may have looked like. Yeah. To me, it's probably different than what you pictured. And that's why we all were beautiful together because we all come from different walks of life. Yes. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for sharing your story and Daniel's story. Thank you for having me, Bailey.